Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for Easter, March 27th, 2016. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jackstein at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon this morning is entitled, Easter, an Anarchist Revolution. Have you ever thought of how many rules there are that govern your life? There are musical rules and traffic rules and baseball rules and tax rules and mama's rules. How many sets of rules, systems, traditions, expectations govern your life? When I had this crazy notion that Easter has something to do with anarchy, I reread the resurrection narrative from Luke's gospel and I noticed at least 10 different systems or laws or rules that are evident in this text. On the first day of the week, we are bound by time. Time is a function of physics, and time is a means of ordering our lives. There's the Gregorian calendar, the liturgical calendar, the lunar calendar. Time is a rule. They came to the tomb taking spices and found the stone rolled away. Every culture has its traditions about death and dying, funeral rituals, rules for dealing with death. But they did not find the body. There are rules of physiology. Human bodies that die stay dead. It's a pretty solid rule. So the women were standing there perplexed when suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood by them. We don't expect people just to appear out of thin air. Were these ghosts? Were they angels? Are there metaphysical laws too? The women were terrified, as you would be too. It is frightening when people don't play by the rules, when events don't fit our experiences of what is normal, but what rules determine what is normal. These two men asked the terrified women, why do you look for the living among the dead? There's a line between those two, even though the rules that help us draw that line are quite different in our medically advanced culture than they were in first century Israel. Remember, they said, the Son of Man must be handed over. There is this law of inevitability that influences our thinking, whether it's justified or not, and I think it's mostly not justified, but we have this incessant need to look at things that happen and to say, oh, there's a reason for everything. It was his time. It was the will of God. There appear to be higher laws that constrain or supersede natural law. He must be handed over, but on the third day, he will rise. 
The third day is not a reference to time like the first day was a reference to time, as if Jesus rose 72 hours after he died. That's not the point. A friend asked me this week on Facebook how we even know that Jesus was raised on Sunday at all. Maybe he said it happened on Saturday, and it's just that nobody was there to know it until Sunday. Ever thought of that? The third day is not about time. This is a theological statement, the third day. And there are so many theological lines and religious rules, aren't there? The women then returned from the tomb and they told all this to the eleven and all the others. There are rules of groups. Who's in and who's out Did Jesus really call just 12 original disciples? Or was this a kind of literary construction of the gospel writers, a way to emphasize the new Israel Jesus was creating? And why were there 12 tribes of Israel anyway? Because symbolism is another set of rules that creates a framework of understanding. Finally, When the women told their story, all the rest did not believe them. They thought this an idle tale. We regard certain people and certain kinds of stories as credible or not credible because there are rules of all kinds, lines and parameters and boundaries that consciously and subconsciously govern our thinking. Oh, so many rules. A friend of mine in seminary used to say, Dino, he called me Dino, Dino, it's all about where you draw your lines. Each of us has our own lines, though we construct them in different places and for different reasons. There's no such thing as a conservative, I hope you know, or a liberal, I hope you know, not even a fundamentalist. Fundamentalists can't agree if there's seven fundamentals or just five. You see, everybody draws their lines in different places, and there are so many lines, aren't there? So many rules, but everyone. Every single one of us, everyone who has ever lived or every single person who ever will live is governed by one common law. What is it? Death. Death governs all of us. As Young's literal translation of the Bible says, it is laid up to all once to die. Hmm. Laid up for all once, which is enough to die. Wow, that's sobering, isn't it? But that's the rule. Or that was the rule until Easter morning. How much have you ever really thought about what this claim really means? If Jesus rose from the dead, if he was resurrected to new life, 
if even death does not hold, what does that mean? To you and to the world, what does that mean? Resurrection, I think, means all bets are off. There are no rules, period. If there is no death with God, all things are possible. If the grave isn't the end, love never dies. If there is resurrection, nothing can separate us from the love of God. This Easter message we proclaim is beautiful, it is freeing, it is world-shattering, it is rule-breaking, it is empowering, and it is almost impossible to believe. We just have so many rules telling us this cannot be. What would it mean? If someone besides Jesus glimpsed that mind-blowing vision, this is the end of the world as we know it, what would it mean? Has anyone else ever experienced resurrection? I'll give you an example from our text this morning. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, was sitting on the top of a house in Joppa one day, It was a beautiful Mediterranean afternoon, and Peter, who had seen the risen Lord, was dozing in a cool ocean breeze when he had a vivid dream. The message of that dream turned Peter's world completely upside down. It's what resurrection does. He learned that what was unclean had become clean You know, he had that vision of the sheet that came down and all those animals there. And the voice said, take Peter and eat. And Peter said, oh no, I'm a good Jew, I can't eat. You know, it says in the scripture, this is unclean. Three times the voice came to Peter and said, take and eat. And then the voice said, what I have made clean, you shall not call unclean. What was unclean had become clean or better Peter realized that what he had been taught to call unclean had actually never been unclean from the beginning. And in that moment, right was left and up was down and wrong was right. There are no unclean foods. Hmm. What does kosher even mean anyway, Monty? Monty, our Jewish organist, says it's complicated. As a vision from God, what this dream really meant is that there are no unclean people either. That was really the point. No Jews, no Greeks, no slaves, no free, no male, no female There are no outsiders, no insiders, no artificial national boundaries to separate us, no skin tones to create hierarchies, no divisions of party or privilege or legal status or socioeconomic class or social rank, 
No right religion, no saved, no unsaved, no boxes, no lines, no dividers, no rules, none. I truly understand that God shows no partiality. Do you know how much it would change the world if we really believed in resurrection? No one would ever go to war again because one group had invaded another group's own space You know, you can travel every square inch of this planet and you will not find one single inch of national boundary that is is natural. Those lines we see on the map, we put them there. We drew those lines separating those people. No one would ever call someone else an infidel because they believe the wrong set of religious rules. Nor could we demean another human being as an illegal just because she did not have the right piece of paper to show that she had not crossed the line. No child would ever go hungry anywhere because there's no such thing as other people's children. There would not be good schools and bad schools because one was white and one was black, because one had money and the other was only represented by people whose voice didn't count. And no one, no one would ever have to worry whether the law of the land affirmed their intrinsic worth and protected their right to be who God had made them to be or whether someone else who had just drawn their lines in different places would choose to use power to create difference and division and distrust and discrimination. None of that would ever happen if we believed in resurrection, because if there is no death, Resurrection means the end of all lines and rules and boundaries, grids and borders, dividers, laws of every kind. God shows no partiality. Peter had that vision. But even Peter couldn't believe it. I chose to read only one verse of the conclusion of this story because when you say, I truly believe that God shows no partiality, don't you just need to put a period? What else needs to be said? What else can be said? I understand no partiality, period. But Peter who had just had the vision, he can't even get to the end of the first sentence before he is qualifying God's impartiality. God shows no partiality, but in every land, in every nation, anyone who fears God. Fears God? Well, what does that mean? And who gets to decide? Anyone who fears God and does what is right. What is right? 
And who makes those rules? And if you say God makes them, then who gets to interpret them? Those who fear God and do what is right, those are the ones who are acceptable to God. But Peter, I thought you said there was no partiality. By the end of the paragraph, there's more. Everyone who believes in Jesus. Now what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Does that mean believe with your brain or trust in your heart? Is belief a religious profession with your mouth or is it a commitment of compassion and action? If you believe in him, you will receive forgiveness. But I thought God shows no partiality. So what about those who don't believe or don't believe as Peter believed or don't believe as you believe what about those who can't believe those who have not had the right experiences or those who do not have enough intelligence to believe in the end sadly even Peter who saw the vision cannot believe there's no partiality with God. It's just too frightening to let go of all the rules. But I think that's what Easter means. The resurrected Christ is the leader of a revolution of anarchy. So let me ask you this Easter day, where do you draw your lines? And who is excluded by your lines? Who cannot see the love of God because of your rules? Who does not know the possibility of impossibility because you can't believe it either? And how have the rules that you have drawn not just boxed them out, but boxed you in your own thinking and imprisoned your own heart and walled off your own soul to the God who knows no partiality? In this life, you can lead with judgment by the rules or you can face life with grace. You can draw lines or you can decide just to love. May the risen Christ appear to you this very day. May the risen Christ appear to you and to me that we might finally know the freeing, frightening, subversive power of resurrection. In a world where even death has no hold, there are no rules but love. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org.
Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.